0: I am, I am so proud of you, and I am so thankful for the legacy that we have of Jack and Charles and RT and what a joy it is for Charles to be with us on Father's Day. You know him. Make him welcome as he comes to share the word today. ready to come. <laughs> oh, I love you! Uh, uh. Thank you. Somebody hold up. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. The reason they came with me was I needed to help them. <laughs> Where did they go? All right. At any rate, it is such a delight. Oh There are some moments in life. And then there are moments. And this is one of those this church year have been such a personal blessing to me and to my family. Cecile and Buddy, my daughter, son-in-law and David Ray, you know them already. So extremely helpful and supportive of my ministry over so many years. I'm now 90 years old. I know some of you thought I was 190, but that's not thats not the case. My sermon is four hours long, <coughs> but just for you, <laughs> I've trimmed it down to about three and a half minutes, but I've never been able to preach a sermon in three and a half minutes. So... Just do the best you can. I want to read this. I don't know the author, but it touched me in a very genuine way about fatherhood and the fatherhood that Jack shared with a thousand pastors and that my own experience and how God called me in a specific calling to the fatherhood of men, women, in ministry around the world. God took the strength of a mountain, the majesty of a tree, the warmth of a summer sun, the calm of a quiet sea, the generous soul of nature, the comforting arm of night, the wisdom of the ages, the power of the eagles' flight, the joy of a morning in spring, the faith of a mustard seed, the patience of eternity, the depth of a family need. Then God combined these qualities when there was nothing more to add he knew his masterpiece was complete and so he called it dead. When there was nothing more to add he knew his masterpiece was complete and so he called it dead. I'm at a mix this morning I've got so many wonderful thoughts that I want to share, but I want to go, having mentioned Jack and RT's wonderful video, an experience I had in the 19, about 1980. I was in bed asleep, deep sleep when suddenly I heard a shout. And it was a shout. It was the Lord. And he shouted the name Jephune. He said that to me, Jephune. It was a startling moment. And I leaped out of bed. I knew it was a Bible name, and I knew it was spoken to me and for me. But I had no idea, whatever, who Jephunneh was. Well, I turned it was to the concordance and found a few references, not many, and one in numbers. And so I went there, flipped the Bible open, and when I saw the name and the location, the scripture it was in, I knew the story. I knew that. Moses sent Joshua and Caleb along with 10 other spies into the promised land and that when they came back only two had a favorable report and that was Caleb and Joshua. I knew Jephunneh was not a faithful spy. And his name was in the list. And God had called me by that name. I broke down. I literally began to weep. And I was saying to the Lord, You're telling me I did not make it. I did not pass the grade. And after I composed myself, I read the passage, and it spoke of Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Jephunneh was not a spy. He was the father of one of the successful ones, Caleb. The whole scene changed, and the Holy Spirit spoke in my heart, again, very affirmatively, and said, I want you to father my Calebs. I want you to father my Calebs. The whole scene changed. And I realized that God was not rejecting me in any aspect of my ministry, but rather he was expanding my ministry and that I was to become a spiritual dad, to men and women, specific ones that he brought and assigned to me. And then I saw that, began to see that happening. I was traveling soon after that with Derek Prince. I hope you know Derek, know his legacy and who he was, an incredible, incredible man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. A brilliant, brilliant scholar of a man, but anointed in the power of the Holy Spirit. I began traveling with Derek various places in Russia and Kazakhstan, Turkey, other areas primarily of the Middle East. And men called of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, began coming to me. And these were the Jefune, these were the Calebs, that the Holy Spirit was assigning to me. These were not men I chose. These were men and some women whom God chose to put under my wing. And the only real command I had from the Lord was to love them. And through the capacity of God's love, for him to invade their lives and bring into them in a spiritual fatherhood and a spiritual bonding for him to bring into their lives the revelation of his word. I've seen that happen. I've seen men, women, various places in the U.S. as well Be joined with me and not in a controlling, manipulative way, whatever, nothing like that. I don't even have a list of them. That wasn't my call. My call was simply to love them, to simply join to them, sometimes chest to chest, heart to heart, mind to mind, calling to calling, and that God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, would work in each of us in a way commemorative of Joshua and, and his father, of Caleb and his father. And I'm rejoicing to this day, and I'm announcing this day, this, I'm, being, I'm not my preaching my final sermon, but I am saying that I'm seeing today to be the driving post in the ground of my ministry. This is, to me, The climax of my ministry on the earth. And whatever God Almighty does beyond this, whether it's a few days, whether it's a month, five years, only God knows. But I am announcing now that my ministry having begun actually in 1948 when I had a vision of myself preaching. And I didn't want that. That wasn't what I had chosen in life. But God did. I yielded only after coming under the persuasive hand of God. And I can guarantee you, if you're not willing, he can persuade you. And I highly recommend that you go his route, not yours. I've known of men who went their route. Jack's father was one. Jack preached that, told that publicly, how his own father told him in later life that God had called him to the ministry and he had declined, he had refused, and did not recommend that for anyone. And I've not even read my scripture. <clears throat> That's a dangerous sign. <clears throat> but whether we're men or women, 40 years old, 90 years old or 9 years old, when the hand of God reaches out and touches us and the voice of God speaks to us, I can guarantee that whatever he says and whatever he wants is the best choice for your life. You cannot improve on the will and purpose of Almighty God for you. And the scripture promises us that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And you hear that, he will perform it. You, our brother, who's been the missionary starting a year or so before me, and was in 52 or 3 different nations around the world, and, this is, and today has thousands of churches being established from his work and his ministry. You could never have known that in the beginning, God Almighty had such enormous plans you sitting right here in the chair where you are, you have no idea what enormous successful plans God has for you. And please know this, God Almighty is a successful being. God is not one who is plagued by failure. He is not one who in the end will say, I wish I had done it another way. What he will say is, I wish you had done it another way. (laughs) And we have the choice right now. Choose you this day whom you will serve. That was the word of Joshua. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Don't think you can put that off till tomorrow or that God's going to tarry around and wring his hands and wait and wonder what you're going to do. He has the authority and the power in your life to move, to command, to speak, to motivate you, to make it very clear in your mind what your call in life is. And I'm not suggesting that everyone is called to the pulpit ministry because we're not. You may be called to secular business. What you want to find out is what that area of secular life is that God is going to anoint and empower in you and prosper your journey. God is not the father of failures. He is the father of success. If you want success in your life, get on your knees, get on your face, get into your closet. When you have shut the door, as Jesus said, pray. To the father who sees in secret. And the father who sees in secret. Will reward you openly. Did you hear that? He will reward you openly. God what's your will for my life? What's your will? I want you to be a a truck driver. Hallelujah. I want you to teach school. Hallelujah. I want you to be a preacher. Oh, no. (laughs) Not that. Let me tell you how my call came. I I grew up in Miami. My family were longtime Floridians. My great-great-grandfather was a circuit-riding Baptist pastor in Florida in the 1800s soon after the Second Seminole War and before the Civil War. His son was also a circuit riding Baptist, primitive Baptist pastor, member of the Florida Bar and attorney, um, member of the Florida legislature. My grandfather was a member of the Florida legislature. And these were men who contributed. They were, some, they were men who gave something to the cause and men whose lives were of significance. And the one served in the Civil War on the southern side, another served in the Civil War, Floridian, on the northern side. And that was a very dangerous thing to do in Florida, if you were a union sympathizer, and that dear man was hanged in his own yard in Florida. And his home burned and the stock stolen, their whole life scattered. But that's a story I've told in one of my books somewhere. At any rate, um, when the Holy Spirit is working through you and for you, you are guaranteed success. When God Almighty is breathing his approval on what you do, all hell can't stop it. Did you hear me? If God Almighty is breathing his success on what you do, all hell cannot stop you. Find out what the will of God is in your life. I didn't finish the point I was on When I was in high school in Miami, 1948, I was walking to the bus stop one morning. I had just been baptized, uh, was very glad to be serving the Lord, but I had my own very definite plans. I wanted to be a a, a botanist, but not a botanist that grew daylilies and watered the grass. That wasn't what I wanted to be. I wanted to know the science of it. And I was especially interested in orchids. And I had a very excellent orchid collection when I was 18 years old. Won first prize in the International Orchid Show in Miami for my exhibit of native Florida orchids. So I knew what I was doing. I wasn't just bungling around. I had a destination in mind. I was going to Costa Rica, I had already corresponded with Dr. Charles Alexander in Costa Rica who had the largest orchid collection in the world and he encouraged me to come. So that was my plan, no no challenge at all to that, that's what I was going to do. And I was walking to the bus stop one morning, still in high school, and just casually looked up overhead, casually. Casually, and about 20 feet above me, was a vision of me preaching. Now, I can actually pose for you right now and show you what that vision looked like. No! No! When I saw that, and the message was so irresistible, so irrevocable, every bit of my ambition, of my plans, crashed at my feet. They were, they crashed, they broke apart. The road around me was scattered with the pieces of them. And I said, no, no, that's not what I want. I begged God, for, went on to school. I begged God for two weeks to spare me of that. And in about two weeks, to my utter astonishment and joy, I convinced him I was right. (laughs) The call was gone. I could look around for it. It wasn't there. I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. It was gone. And I, I already... Convinced the Lord my brother was the one he meant. So I started thanking the Lord. I'm glad you saw it my way. I am glad I convinced you I was right. That I was not your man. And I was so glad I went to church the next, that Wednesday night, a day away. And if I had walked into a footlocker or a storage bin at the local meat market I would have been just as spiritually welcomed there was no God there none at all that Wednesday night prayer meeting that bothered me but not to make me change my mind I went to church the following Sunday it was worse Everybody around me was singing, praying, worshiping the Lord and experiencing his presence, and I felt absolutely nothing. Went to church the following Wednesday night. It was even more vacant and blank of God. I was praying, and I could have been saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag or something as different. It would have meant as much. And looking back now, I realized it took about two weeks for God to get the message through to me. And it was this, you wanted me to remove the ministry? All right, I have, I have, and I took myself with it. You'll never find or feel me again. That was such a shocking, frightful realization. You'll never find me again. In other words, I'm gone. Carry on, have a good life, but don't ask me to be part of it. It took me about another week or 10 days before I realized You can't live this way. You can't. And then came the grand slam moment. When I just dropped, I said, all right, Lord. I surrender. You won. Send the calling back. Whoosh! the calling fell on me again. God was there laughing and smiling and singing and rejoicing with me. And I said, all right, Lord, you win. I'll try. I wasn't aware when I got up here I was going to go this route, but I'm going to be obedient. I didn't know the ministry was part of the call. I thought that I could just be a good servant. But that, of course, was not the case. Pulpit, ordained ministry was it. And then I got an astonishing message one month before Easter Sunday, 1949. I don't know where I was, whether I was home or where, but I had a word of knowledge and I was a Baptist. And Baptists didn't know anything about words of knowledge. <laughs> but I had one. And the emphatic, ordained of God, fact was that on Easter Sunday, I was going to preach my first sermon. And I remember saying to the Lord, God, God, Nobody wants to hear a teenager preach his first sermon on Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is the biggest day of the Christian year. At least get it the week following. No, it was ordained. I was going to preach my first sermon on Easter Sunday. Well, that began a real crisis. Now I had a whole month for the church to find out, and I didn't know that they knew. I waited. God did nothing. I waited longer. God did nothing. On Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter, I knew the pastor is going to announce today that I'm going to preach next Sunday. Well, guess what? He never said a word to me. I went to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. He's here, and I stood right here because I felt like he's got to know Sunday I'm going to preach. (laughs) He said nothing. I went home so troubled. I knew this is foreordained of God and is going to be, and they don't even know about it. I was sitting in my at my house on the porch the next morning when his car pulled in our driveway. He came in, confronted me, and said, Charles, I know and the church knows God's called you to preach. And I thought, well, I wish you had told me that a month ago. He said, I know and the church knows God's called you to preach and Easter Sunday morning we want to license you, make it official that the church recognizes that and you will preach your first sermon Easter Sunday night. And I said, no. (laughs) Now after that horrific month, I just could not bring myself to agree I couldn't he left he said well if you change your mind call me well that night I don't think I slept at all and the next morning I called him and said yes I will and agreed and did Easter Sunday morning at the end of the sermon he announced that the church had some special business to do that they knew that God had called me to the ministry and they were going to license me. And I would preach my first sermon that night. And I I was spiritually as dead as a fish in the meat market. I had no feelings at all, none. And then he said, Charles, come to the front. We're going to come by and extend to you the hand of fellowship. Let you know we're praying for you. And this, I'm sorry if this is boring to you, but you're going to have to listen anyway. (laughs) I remember on the second row, pew, there was a little lady there, elderly lady, who probably weighed 80 pounds with her purse. (laughs) She stepped out came to me, touched my hand, and said, Charles, I'm going to be praying for you. And when she did, that touch of her hand, the Holy Spirit flooded me. She didn't know it, and nor did I, but she had just ministered the laying on of hands to me. My burden, my fear, all the negativity, intimidation, everything was snatched off me. And I stood there almost in a glow as the rest of the congregation came by and wished me well. Well, at any rate, that night, like God said, I preached my first sermon on Easter Sunday That all came through a word of knowledge that I couldn't have told you was a word of knowledge. But the fact is this. Hear me carefully. God is not obligated to explain to you all his plans. If you're expecting him to give you a detailed printout on the computer of what he's going to do in your life, get over it. (laughs) Kim, do you recognize where that expression came from? I've heard Jack a hundred times say something and then say, get over it. That's not original to me. But my word to you, if you have any kind of opposition to the will of God in your life, any kind, get over it. Go ahead and surrender. You're not as smart as you think you are. His will is so much better than yours will ever be. Now, at the end of my ministry, and it is that, I'm aware of that. I'm going to keep on preaching, but I'm telling you today What happened on 54th Street, 19th Avenue in 19, whenever, whatever it was, when I looked up and saw the vision over my head, that was the beginning. I feel very positively that this is the moment now where I'm to drive down the stake. That my ministry is complete. It's not over. I may preach another five years. I hope I don't, but... I'm ready to go. Almost. I want you to do this for me. I say almost because I've told the Lord. I've, I realize that the ministry is complete. But I do not want to leave the planet until my final prayer is answered. A very important prayer and it hasn't been answered you're going to ask me what it is and I'm going to tell you I ain't gonna tell you (laughs) you don't need to know what I want you to do to pray for me that God will answer this unanswered prayer it's legitimate it's valuable It's real, it's important. All the good things I can say about it are endless. Lord, I don't want to go until you've answered this prayer. Amen. I want to minister to you personally. And I don't know the best way of doing this, because it's a very large congregation. <laughs> Let me ask this. Anyone here, and you feel called to ministry? It may be gospel pulpit preaching. It may not be. Well, I know you're all called so uh, to ministry. Any of you who are called to public pulpit ministry and you're not yet in it, could I see your hands? What? All right. Thank you, dear. The rest of you are not telling the truth. Oh, there's one. There's one. Now, I do know this. It's a historic fact that any time I have given an opportunity and asked for a specific people in the congregation to come forward, they have. <clears throat> but about 47 others come who never raised their hands. I'm going to forgive you for that. But I want you three to come, and in the process, if there are others, and you are called to public ministry, and you haven't acknowledged it, I want to challenge you, acknowledge it. I want you to come. You may be first going to seminary or Bible school. That's good. I didn't. I went from the intersection of the street that morning as straight as I could go to the pulpit. And that was the way God worked with me. Lord, do your will in our lives on this wonderful Father's Day. Be the father that some never had but wanted, show them, Lord, your fatherhood, your glory. Let's stand. We're going to sing, I presume, and those of you that raise your hand, and others, if you have repented of your sin, of denying it, and want to come, then you come. Buddy, you and David, come. For those of you who are watching on live stream, we're gonna be having some hands-on ministry time here with Charles Carran. But if you would like prayer, we have folks that are waiting on the phone to pray with you and talk with you and counsel with you this morning. There should be a number appearing on your screen and we wanna extend that same uh, invitation to you as well. So I hope you'll take time to call right now and if you are watching this later on and the service is already over please call that number someone in our church office will connect you with the right person we're so glad you watched with us today god bless you have a great day